I think Lucy also needs to come do a number or something. <laughs> Sabrina, you got something? <laughs> no, nothing? <laughs> okay. Moy, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> yes, okay. I, I, I was born, I wasn't even born with two left feet. So, yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Luke. I guess van George af, As everybody survived the rain, we're still reasonably dry. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to be closing out our wealth theme for the year, and um, almost finished off this morning. And then, you know, next week we got the last service for the year, right? Uh, but there will be a Christmas service on the 25th of December at half past eight um, in, uh, in the morning. It will be in English. So we're going to read through Matthew 25 because I want to I talk a little bit about tithing and giving and resources and, and those sort of things and, and uh, what does it mean to steward. And, um, and I thought we'd end off, and I'm actually so glad the local motion guys are here today because I think it's going to fit in very well. But um, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Malachi 3. And, uh, and we're just going to go through sort of when, when people think of tithing, this is generally what people think. They think that, um, and, and there's, there's merits for it. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. So Malachi 3 verses 6 to 12 says, For I, the Lord God, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house, and thereby put to me the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessing. Okay, so when we think of tithe, we think, okay, there's money involved, and I give my tithe to God, and it's going to go well for me, and if I don't tithe, I'm going to receive the curse of heaven, ah, destruction and nothing. And, and how many of you have forgotten to give in your tithe and you go, oh, shucks, I'm doomed. I'm going to have a bad financial. Have any of you ever thought like that? Okay. Okay. And, um, and there's merits to this thinking. Okay. So, so God does say, yes, you're robbing me. You haven't paid your tithes and you bring about a curse. And, uh, and then, yes, there's, there's a promise that, that when we do tithe, God will open up the heavens. But, but there's a little bit more to the story, and there's a little bit more to what's going on here. You see, see when, when, when I am relating with my parents, I do not maintain a relationship with my parents in order to get something out of them, right? Okay? But, but you also know that any good parents will try and provide for their children, are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay. So, you know, your, your parents, when, you, when you're a kid and you're still living in the home, some of you are still there, you know, they help you out with a cell phone, they help you out with food, right? There's a local airport that just opened up. 
Oh, it's the ocean. Okay. The rain's getting really bad. It's right outside the door. Okay. So, so you don't, but you don't, or well, hopefully you guys don't do this, but you don't maintain a relationship with somebody just to try and get something out of them. Right? Okay. And, and God's, God's like right at the basis of a relationship here. He's right at the foundation. He's saying it's going so badly, like just think about it. It's going so badly with him and the Israelites that he's just like, okay, if we can just get to a place where you don't rob me, okay, that would be a good start, right? But this, this isn't the foundation of our relationship. Oh, shucks, okay. It's going to be one of those evenings. We're going to push through. <laughs> Thanks. We got it. We got it. So, right, so, so I'm sure any of you that have been in a relationship or thought about a relationship, you know, it's, it's really, really basic if it's just about stuff. Yeah, it sounds, sounds a bit obvious. And that's kind of what's going on here. Is that, is that God is reprimanding the Israelites about stuff. But this isn't where he wants the relationship to stay. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to read a little bit more into that. So, so what, what God does when a relationship is more the kind of relationship that he had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, where, where Jacob, out of his own prompting, his own volition, goes to God. And you can read about that in Genesis 28. And says, God, because you have been so faithful to me, if, you, if you're faithful to me, okay, I will give you a tenth of all that I have. In other words, see, the, the guys in Malachi, they have a, they, God just wants to start with a basic relationship where it's like, um, okay, if you, if you tithe, I'll bless you. Jacob, which is a bit more of a mature relationship, with God. He's like, because God, you have blessed me so much. Not, not because of what I can get from you, but because you have given me so much. That is why I choose to tithe. Do you see the difference there? It's a very subtle dif difference, but it's so important. Okay? The Israelites here in Malachi, God was prompting them to, to tithe for the sake of just getting something. Like, if we could just start on this basic relationship. Just think relationship between uh, spouses, okay? If it's just based on trying to get something out of somebody, it's not, probably not going to last very long, yeah? Okay? But now, imagine a relationship where it's like, I want to buy you, I want to buy Rickus the best birthday presents, the best Christmas presents, because, you know, he's just such a lacquer guy. For no other reason than because he's just awesome, Right? That's a different kind of a relationship. Are you with me? Okay, so I'm repeating myself a lot, but this is going to be really important. I just need to give context for what we're going to read in Matthew. So let's all turn to Matthew. Matthew 25. And uh, <clears throat> Matthew 25 has three parables in it. And we're going to go through the three parables. We're going to we're going to skip most of it just for the sake of time. And I'm just going to give you some, some bullet points, rather. Um, but there's three parables, okay? So we've got the parable of the, the gold bags. Otherwise, other people call it the parable of the talents. So it's that story about 
her master goes away. He's got three servants. He gives the one five talents, the one two talents, the one, and then he comes back. You know, you guys all know that that parable, okay? So that that one's in the middle, okay? But it starts off with this parable, the parable of the ten virgins, okay? And in and in verse thirteen, what it says there in verse thirteen is, "Watch therefore." For you know neither the day nor the hour. So the story goes, I'm just going to give a brief overview of this one. So the story goes that there, there are ten virgins. They are what, how the Bible describes them, five wise and five unwise, okay? And they have to wait for the bridegroom to arrive or the bridegrooms to arrive. And then there's five that, that in their wisdom plan ahead and bring oil for their lamps. And then there are five who do not plan ahead, who do not think, who are not prepared, and they do not bring bring oil, okay? And the thinking, their thinking is that, well, the bridegroom's obviously going to arrive during the day because that's when you party during the day, okay? It's not like today where we've got electricity to, you know, burn lights till unholy times of the night. For them, it was like daylight, and as soon as the sun went down, you went to bed because it was really expensive to burn oil, to stay up all night. You understand? So they, they, they woke up when the sun came up, and they went to bed when the sun went down. That's how they lived. Again, okay, only the really wealthy could afford the fuel to, for for light during the evening. Okay, so the the five unwise. Brides, they, they, they assume that the bridegroom's going to arrive during the day because that's when weddings happen, because that's when you party. So they don't bring oil. The, the five wise brides, they bring oil because they want to prepare for any scenario. Because they don't know, they've, they've decided they don't actually know when the bridegroom's going to arrive. He could arrive at any time of the day. Okay? And so what happens is for... One some odd reason. So if you were if you were an Israelite listening to this, and you were to, you were hearing to the story, and Jesus said that the bridegroom came at night, you would know that that's very unusual. Okay, it's it's not it's unforeseen. Some something must have gone wrong. He must have had something must have gone wrong on the trip. But but there's it's very unusual that he's late or that he comes at night, and um, but that's that's what happened and. And the five wise brides, they were ready, they were waiting, they could light their oil, their lamps, and then the five unwise ones, they were not ready. Okay, and they had to go away and find, find some, someone, the story goes that when they came back, the, the doors were locked, everybody was having a party, and they were locked out. Okay? And verse, and it ends, the parable ends with verse 13, keep watch, because you don't know when the bridegroom's going to arrive. Obviously being an analogy for that, as, as the Bible often describes, the church being the bride of Christ. Okay, so that's you. Hello, bride of Christ. All the men say amen. amen. You can go deal with that one at home. Um, and um, so obviously referring to the church, and, we, and what the, the warning is, is that we have got to be prepared. We do not know when Jesus is going to arrive Okay, but now, now remember this oil is expensive 
to burn, okay? And the expense of this oil or the inconvenience of getting it, procuring it, and having it ready is not an excuse for when Jesus will arrive. Are you with me? Okay. And then, so now you've got you to understand there's a reason why these three parables, Jesus telling these parables literally one after the other. And it's interesting that he matches these three parables. So the second parable is the parable of the talents, and this is the one that I want to read through. Um, so we can go to verse 14. Okay, so now he's just told this, this parable of these, these ten virgins. They're unprepared, and he's basically talking about the church that is prepared and the church that is unprepared. Remember, when it's talking about a wedding, it's not referring to those who are saved and those who are not saved. Okay, the bride in context of the church and, and the symbolism that it's used is, is specifically the church. So there, there's the church that is prepared, and then there's the church that is unprepared. Are you with me? Okay. So that's you guys. This isn't, this, isn't a, this isn't a story about the saved and the unsaved. This is a story about the prepared and the unprepared in the church. Okay. This concerns you. This isn't a, this, just to reiterate, this isn't, a, this isn't where you switch off and go, oh, well, I am saved, so I don't have to pay attention at this point. You pay attention. You don't want to miss this. Okay. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Once again, servants. Who are servants? You guys are servants, okay? Um, to each one he gave five talents. Uh, to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. To another one, uh, one. And to each according to his ability, okay? So there's three servants. One servant gets five talents. The other servant gets two talents. And the other servant gets one talent. A talent was roughly worth about a year's worth of wages. So think about what you get in a year and add that together. Okay, so the one guy, he, he got given five years worth of salary up front. Okay, the other guy got given two years worth of salary and another guy got given one, one. Imagine somebody came and gave you five years worth of salary. Okay. Eh? Yeah. Okay. So then I'll I'll definitely be able to afford a pot at La Crusade. Okay, moving on. Okay, so uh, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Verse 17. So also he had the two talents, made two talents more. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll sit you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Wouldn't we all like to hear that one day, huh? Verse 22, and he also, and he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made for you, made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, 
I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter, seed to the ground. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent to the ground. Here you have what is yours. Okay. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I did have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the story, okay? And you've got to bear with me because it sounds unfair, okay? So the one who get, got five talents, he made five more. Shop, you did well. Well done, good and faithful servant, okay? Enter into the joy of your master. Same thing with the guy at two talents, okay? And uh, so now it's very important here to note that although one got five, five talents and arguably made a lot more money than the guy who made two talents, Okay, the, the reward is the same, okay? So it's not, it's not the amount that you make, but what you do with what you have, okay? So that's very important to note, and, and, and Jesus is deliberately making this point that, that the excuse of, well, I'm, I'm rejected because I didn't make as much as that guy. No, that's not the point. The reason why you're rejected is because what you did have, you did not use, Okay? So the kingdom of God is not about who gets how much. It's what do you have in your hand and how are you using it? Are you with me? Okay. It must also be, be noted that, that the person who missed this was not the one who had the most, but he who had the least. Okay. And it's just a very simple point that, that Jesus is trying to make here. And that is that, you know, how many of you ever thought that you know, if only I had X, Y, and Z amount of money, I'd be able to change the world for Jesus, yeah? Have you ever thought like that? Okay, and those are really good exercises to do, okay? But, but, but the point that Jesus is making is, you know, like, if I, if I can't just trust you with a 10 rand, how can I trust you with a 100 rand? You know what I mean? What's always fascinating to me, I don't know if you've ever watched those documentaries about those guys who end up winning the lottery, especially in America, it's like 150 million US dollars, and then a year later they're on the streets. Okay? Crazy. And it's, and it's just that basic principle of, you know, probably the guy buying lottery tickets isn't really great with money in the first place. And now you give him 150 million US dollars and you think that's going to change his life. You know, but, but if he doesn't know how to manage that little bit to go buy a lotto ticket, he's probably not going to be able to manage 150 million, right? And, and the, the point here is that, is that more is never the answer. More stuff does not fix stuff, okay? It just makes more stuff to fix. Are you with me? Okay, let's move on. And then, the, it, seems, it, it also seems a little unfair that, you know, the, the rich seem to be getting richer and the poor seem to get, be getting poorer. But according to this passage of Scripture, that, that's almost, it's almost encouraged. And that's not the point of the Scripture. The point of the Scripture is not that the rich must get rich and the poor must get poor. It's the point of the Scripture is that your poverty or your lack is not an excuse. Okay, this isn't about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. This is about our lack, my, 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 me not having is not an excuse for not changing the world. Okay, it's, re it's really important that we get this. 
Okay. And the other point, I actually made it second, but it should be the last point. The, the, the last point is that the master <coughs> has an expectation that his servants will produce. Okay. So what does that mean? So, because it seems a little bit unfair. If you think about it, you know, it's, this isn't the story of the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son? Guy takes the inheritance, blows it all, drugs, sex, rock and roll, money's gone. Okay? If you think about it, the guy got one talent. It's not like he spent it or wasted it. He, and then he gave it back. Right? It's like you say, Luke, can I borrow your house? And I go, yeah, sure, man. And you borrow my house and then give my house back to me and, and, and then I'm upset with you because you didn't build me a flat in my backyard. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, you just, it, we'd, we'd be quite happy if you just returned what I had, what, what I lent you in its original state, right? As long as you're not costing me any money, I'm happy, <laughs> right? Are you with me? My, you, you borrowed my house, you returned my house as normal, you cleaned it, it's fantastic, okay? But, but this, this, Story, he's upset with his servant. Why? Because remember right at the beginning, he distributed his wealth according to his servant's ability. In other words, the, the master believed that his servant had the ability to double what he had given him. Okay? In other words, at no point can we play the victim card. We can't go, woe is me, I'm a lowly servant. And, and I don't have enough. No, you see, see, that's not how it works. Is that, is that what God has given you, he believes, he has given you according to your ability and he believes in your ability because he created you, okay? And he doesn't create things that don't work. And because he's created you and he's created you with an ability, he's created you to multiply that which he has given you. Are you with me? I can't play the victim card, okay? So turn to somebody next to you and say, I am not a victim. Awesome. <laughs> Rickus is failing this assignment. <laughs> Hashtag youth pastor. <laughs> Alex, listen for you. Okay, Moy. So, then we get to the third parable in this story, okay? And this is where things get really interesting, because now, this parable doesn't have a lot to do with money at all. In fact, it's not even mentioned. But it has all to do with people, okay? And it is deliberately right after the parable of the talents that Jesus delivers this parable, okay? Let me read it quickly. It has high impact. I think the ushers, you guys can start handing out communion so long. Please. I love it when there's a baby in church. means there's a committed parent. Amen. Awesome. Um, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now remember, we've, we're talking about the bridegroom coming back. Watch out. You don't know when he's going to come back. Okay? The master comes back. He settles the account. You don't know when this master is going to 
So there's this theme of be ready, be prepared, okay? And now this next parable, this, this is, talks about when the master comes, this is actually what's going to happen, okay? This is what's going to happen when the master comes back. Whether you are prepared for him or not, this is what's going to happen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him, before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats to, on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Isn't this powerful? Okay. In other words, so there's, there's, it's mirroring the, the, the parable before and there's this, there's this sense of, well done, good and faithful steward. Come and share in the joy of your master. Except now we're not talking about money anymore. Okay, you're following that. There's not a conversation about money. It's now a conversation about people and how you treated them. Okay? So here's a wild theory. Okay? Not a theory. It's a biblical fact. Did you know that the kingdom of God is here now? And that kingdom has a king. And that moment to settle the account is not necessarily deep there in the future. It's, it's now. You see, because the, the people that Jesus are talking about, the least of these, those to serve, they are not to come. They are with us now. Are you with us? Are you with me? And how we treat them is how we treat Jesus. Okay? Are you with me? Okay, so yes, there's going to be a judgment day one day, but we don't have to, we're not waiting for judgment day. We're not waiting for the master to return to settle our account or get our account ready. We do that now. Okay, because you see, so many people are looking for Jesus, this guy who's going to come with a sword, and yet... What the Bible says is that Jesus comes as a small little innocent lamb, ready for the slaughter. And we miss those people because we miss those to serve. We miss the vulnerable. We miss the needy. And my lack is never an excuse to pass them by. You understand what I'm saying? Is The little that I have can bless somebody that doesn't have as much as me. Are you with me? And so we can, we can play the victim, okay? And we can go hide, under, hide our talents underneath a bush and pretend like, like nothing's going on. Or we need to open our eyes and have a look at what's really going on in this town. 
Okay, how many of you felt uncomfortable when Lucy was talking? Don't put up your hand. Welcome to the real world. The real world is not everybody sits in a nice, comfortable church with a nice, comfortable band. And we sing Kumbaya and pretend everything's going well. See, there, there are people that need what you have got to give. And so the question is, how will you steward that? And how will you give of yourselves? Because, see, the one day the, the master is going to come back, and my lack, me not having enough resources, will never be an excuse to not serve the needy and the vulnerable. Are you with me? Okay, let's all stand together. So the first parable tells us to watch, watch for Jesus. The second parable is telling us that we need to settle that account. And we can settle that account now. The way that we treat just the, the, the least of these is how we treat Jesus. Just, just buying somebody water, just taking them a meal is doing that for Jesus. And those are the people that are sharing in the joy. So it's not about how much money I have, but, but who am I giving it to? And not using my poverty as, as an excuse not to give. Are you with me? See, I, I, I don't give to Jesus because I'm trying to get something out of him. I understand that I've been given so much, so much. And Jesus, if I can just serve somebody just as a small way of blessing you, if it's just giving them a cup of water, if it's just visiting them in prison, if it's just giving them clothes, <clears throat> if it's just providing time and mentorship, surely to the least of these. And so when we take communion tonight, we don't take communion for what Jesus will do. We take communion to remember what he has done and what he has given us. Not what he can give me, but what he has given me. Let's eat together. Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you that that you did not shy away from the price to be paid, for the installment to be made for our everlasting life. And Father, forgive us where in our hearts we've said that that's not enough and we need more and we want more. And Father, it is scary because it's a great sermon, but, but I still got to go put food on my table. But in the same book, you, you also say, Jesus, that, that you know what we need. It's you who, who gives a home to, this, to the bird, who puts clothes on the flowers. It's you who says that should we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, you'll take care of the rest. Father, give me grace to to move past that fear when my, when my small heart can't see past the needs that I have. 
Let's drink together. But Jesus, thank you that my weaknesses and my fear is not where my story ends. My story begins and ends with you shedding your blood for me on the cross. And Father, I come to you today as somebody completely imperfect, in need of your mercy. Father, and although I don't necessarily have the strength, if you'll, if you'll take what I've got to give as imperfect as it is, to the best of my ability and by, my gra- by your grace, Jesus, I endeavor to, to follow you, even if it costs me everything. Even if I have to give away everything. Jesus, I'd rather go into the kingdom of heaven poor than into hell rich. Jesus, I'd, I'd rather go into heaven humiliated than into hell with my reputation intact. Jesus, I'd, I'd rather go into heaven burnt out than into hell with my, with my rest intact. But Jesus, thank you that in your word it says that when we ask for bread, you don't give a stone. And you reward those who diligently seek you. And that you provide for those who seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness above everything else. Thank you, Jesus. Just while all the eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. If anything that I've said today, to you today has, has hit with you, and maybe you need to reconnect with Jesus. Maybe you're, you're aware and you've become aware of the fact that Jesus is coming back and you need to settle your account. And at the moment, it's, it's not looking great. And maybe you, when you think of God, you think of him as being this harsh master. And yet, God wants to come and reestablish the fact that, that he's good. And the, and the people that have given their lives t- to him have not done so out of fear, but out of reverence and out of thankfulness. If you don't have a reference for that kind of Jesus and you want to re-meet him, Tonight, then just where you are, while nobody's looking around. And also, I, I just feel that there's some people who, who know exactly what I'm saying. They've, they've heard the sermon before, but you haven't spoken to Jesus in a long time. And you need to recommit as well. So just while nobody's looking around, 
every eyes closed, every head is bowed, just where you're standing, if that's you tonight, just put your hand up where you're at. Okay, you can put the hands down. And the second group of people I want to call out tonight, you know and you're thankful and you're aware that God has given you so much, but you don't necessarily know how to use it or have the skill to use it, but you know you want to, there's a desire to. And we're going to pray that God gives you a strategic download of how to use what you've got, even the little that you've got, to bless his heart. Because if you're like me, you just want those amazing words spoken over you one day. Well done, good and faithful steward. You've been given a lot. And I will put you over ruler of, of much. Come and share in the joy of the master. And if you desire to hear those words, if you have a desire to hear those words one day, and you need a plan, and I also want you to come up front. So all those people who put up their hands or want to respond to that, want that strategic plan to use what they've got to bless the Lord. You guys can come up front now. Now is the moment. <clears throat> if I can get some of the facilitators to also come up front just to come help pray. And uh, just tell your facilitator, the person that comes and prays for you, uh, which prayer you are responding to, um, the first or the second one. And we're going we're gonna to start with worship. But before, just before we, we go, I just want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I would want you to share with them what is it that you're excited that God is sharing with you? What are you excited about? to get involved with your calling on your life and how you, how, how you will bless God and then pray with each other, okay? And then we're going to go into worship. Worship.